Welcome back to part two of this episode or series of This or That for the Root Climbers. Now, in part one, I had a look at the aspects of strength training and endurance training for Root Climbers, whether you're sport climbers or trad climbers. And it was trying to get everyone to really appreciate that there's a balance with two of these approaches and that it's not a binary thing where you're just doing endurance training or you're just doing strength training. It's about finding out the scenario for which part of the year where you want to have more focus on one over the other, or also how this may relate to you physiologically as a climber, whether you're, you know, you're weak for the grade or strong for the grade climber, and sometimes to some respect as well, the goals that you're working towards. Now, in this episode, we're going to go into more like the training tools as such rather than training approaches. So I think those two, strength is quite a broad thing. Endurance is quite a broad thing. It can be done on lots of different tools. But here we are dealing with, on one side, your circuit boards, and on the other, your roped route climbing. And that can be indoors or outdoors. And sort of, I think, I'll allow you to include maybe some top rope climbing, but that does have some, you know, specific nuances to it. And the reason why I wanted to do this episode on circuit boards versus routes for training for route climbers is that I see both of these as being really, really good tools for training, like amazing tools, and they can be used to incredible effect for achieving really good performance, staying injury-free, getting the best possible results from the time that you put in. But I also see people really overuse one or the other or avoid one or not perhaps include one type of training in the right part of the year where they end up in this hole where they're putting in another 10 sessions on a circuit board and maybe only increasing their performance by, let's say, an arbitrary 2 or 3%. But if they just swapped it out and moved maybe 50% of their time or more onto routes at that part of the year, they would see an improvement in performance of, say, 10, 20%. And they may get a full grade out of it or maybe even two full grades. And that's a really common mistake that I see quite a bit of. And I really want to address in this particular podcast to try and get this right. Um, Because they are quite specific in terms of the pros and cons that you get from them. Now, uh, one thing to say about your circuit boards before I kind of break into roots is that with the circuit board side of the equation, I would include on this anything which is some kind of horizontal traversing on walls, you know, at the base of a crag, through to brick edge walls on the outside of buildings. That's quite popular in Sheffield. A lot of people do that. To these really cool figure of eight circuits that you get on massive 30 to 45 degree overhanging indoor climbing walls. So the the circuit board part of the equation is quite broad in its approach. And I'll try and touch on a few points that I think specifically relate to some of those further on the spectrum types of circuit boards. Like all the other episodes, I'm going to break these down into pros and cons of each one, just so you get some of the headline values from me in terms of where I see the best benefits and the 
greatest risks in terms of using these two things. And then hopefully, once we then go through to why you would choose circuit boards at certain times of the year, then why you would choose route climbing at certain times of the year, you can kind of understand the context of why I might be making those choices. But also further, you can match those up with your own scenarios to understand how you might adapt those into your own training. So circuit boards. Probably the main advantage, I would say, of a circuit board is that I see it as being really, really convenient. Like this is the number one thing I think that comes from them. You don't have to put a rope on, a harness. You don't need a climbing partner. You can grab and touch nearly all of the holds straight away. They're often tagged up. It's like the lowest... IQ, lowest mental space thing that you can kind of do when it comes to endurance training or power endurance training. And convenience factor sits very, very high. Another big advantage of them is that it's not scary and it's not very mentally taxing for almost all climbers. And it depends where you sit on the spectrum in terms of how you feel about getting on the sharp end and being exposed on a rope. But I do think that it can be somewhat placed in the advantage side of things because if you are someone that struggles with that side of route climbing and you don't want to spend the whole time all of your year in a position where you're slightly more stressed with things then it might be nice to have a period of the year where for two or three months you can just do lower stress endurance or parent students training and get the mileage in and you can have a good time with it and you can have fun because I will stand by the fact that as climbers, if we put ourselves in a position of high stress and discomfort too often, too frequently, with no breaks at all, even if you're the most resilient climber, you will find potentially that you may struggle with motivation sometimes, or you can just push yourself into a little bit of a hole with it, and you can you can just battle against it too hard. Um, so it is good sometimes to be kind to yourself. The other really big advantage with circuit boards is that they're very repeatable. So they're great for training where you want to either repeat the same route many times in a row. And obviously you also don't have to have a B layer to do that. So you can kind of do that on demand however you want. And also they are often staying up in the wall that you're at for much longer than other indoor set routes because they're kind of seen as less of a commercial thing and less of an on-site or flashing thing. And if it's something that's at your local crag where it's a known traverse or on the outside of a building, well, that's going to be repeatable until they knock the building down or, or the crag falls down. So it's something that you can keep coming back to and relating your performance to and benchmarking and you've got something which is a marker in time for how good you are. I still know that I go back to certain things and repeat circuits that I've got on my board at home and the same in the crack cellar where I know that that is a benchmark 8A, for example, and I can kind of pitch myself at it at any time of the year in any decade and know where I'm at. And I think that's really valuable as well. And then lastly, the other main advantage to circuit boards is that they can be broken down really easily into sections. And I think that's a very, very significant thing especially when it comes to route climbers who really want to learn how to chunk small route, sorry, how to chunk really hard routes down into smaller sections and start to build links 
and then bring them together and you're doing it in four sections, three sections, two sections, and then suddenly you've done your first 8A. And I think that's a very big advantage of it because convenience-wise, it's easy to do. Psychologically, it's a little bit easier. You can touch all the holds. You can get into sections of it at any one stage. You can go to the last one-third of the route and just work on that. Whereas if it's on a rope, you have to get to the top of the route and then work on it. So I think that's the list of things that I put very much on the advantage side for your circuit boards. And then in terms of the downsides or the disadvantages, I think the biggest one for me maybe is the specificity element. A circuit board does represent route climbing, whether it's track climbing or sport climbing, to a degree, but it is relatively low specificity. You're moving sideways or in figure of eight circuits quite a lot. There's very rarely a lot of angle change or terrain change on a circuit board. They tend to be quite flat. You're not clipping a rope. You don't have to stop to place any gear. There's no mental aspect to it. There's a whole number of things on here which do slightly lack on specificity. Also, another disadvantage with the circuit boards is the ability or the tendency to move quite fast or too fast on them. We've got a local wall here in Sheffield, which is called the Climbing Works, which has got a circuit board on it just as you go in the wall to the climbing centre. And it's been there ever since the start of when the centre opened up, probably 10 plus years ago now. And the circuits they've got on there are desperate for the grade but they just about feel okay for the grade if you sprint round these things. And I've watched some really capable climbers over the year get on that circuit board and they are doing laps on whatever grade it is, 7A, 8A, and they're getting three or four done in the session. They're sprinting in a, a minute, a minute and a half around the circuit and going, oh yeah, I just did a minute and a half on 8A. I'm totally going to crush my 8A in Spain in two weeks. I'm feeling fit as a fiddle. This is going to be amazing. But then completely not clocking that there is a big difference between sprinting through a short, powerful 8A that they're spending maybe one to two seconds on each hold versus spending 15 minutes or 10 minutes on an 8A outside and that's a real risk there. And I think it's one of the bigger ones that I see as a problems with circuit boards. They're also relatively low skill, I would say, in terms of route training or preparation. They're quite flat. They don't have as much variety in holds and movements. I think for the most part, a lot of people set quite basic circuits, whether it's on their home boards or the gym setters down the walls. And so skill doesn't tend to get pushed very hard on it and that if you think about it over time is going to blunt your skill set so if you're someone who's spending all of their time on circuit boards do not necessarily expect to be the most skillful climber especially if your circuit board stuff is only indoors rather than a spread of you know doing some traversing and circuits or crags as well where arguably you could say there's some some more benefits in terms of the skill aspect there Also, you don't get any exposure on a circuit board. For sure, that's a disadvantage. If you took me and gave me three months of training all the way through the winter, climbing on a circuit board, I was really, really fit on it. But I hadn't been on a rope at all for three months. 
and then you put me on something which was even way below my grade, I reckon I lose three to four grades off my on-site and my red point if I'm scared and nervous and not really relaxed. It's not like a grade, it's it's a few. And this is even with me having climbed for most of my life now. I still struggle with it and I can't fully relax and I have to be very careful how much circuit board training I do with this exposure fall heights element. And then lastly, I think there's a disadvantage with circuit boards in terms of on-site and flash skill, tactic and approach. And it's quite a broad thing that comes down to that part of the performance, you know, uh, sort of very quick go or fast goes on things. But circuit boards, in my opinion, do not particularly push that part of your performance as a climber. I can hear some people arguing and saying, well, I've seen people climb and train very effectively on a circuit board and then do their hardest on sites or flashes. And I think I would accept that if I said that it had taught a climber to be faster and really decisive when they go and do that flash go outside and they're able to take that fast pace that they've adapted to indoors and actually deploy it indoors and not have a mismatch on it or potentially that they've got so fit and strong on the circuit board that they're now two or three grades above their previous on-site or flash. So relatively, it does look like they're performing quite well, but I will often as a coach go, no, I think their their capacity is even higher again, and they can push even further. On the other side of the coin, let's have a look at route climbing. And this is your rope stuff, getting on a rope indoors and outdoors. And to some extent, maybe some top roping or auto belays. So pros, I think the specificity element is much higher on this side, especially if you're doing any of this training outside. And it's kind of obvious, isn't it, that if you're climbing on a route outside on lead, that has the greatest, it's the greatest replica to what you're going to go and try and do in your goal and what your aims are. The same could be said if you're a competition climber, is that if you're training on routes, on lead, and you're a comp indoor climber, that's going to be also a very, very high degree of specificity. And that means that the preparation is going to effectively have a better transfer or transition across into when you're trying to climb your hardest stuff. So really big benefit there. I also think the pace and speed at which you climb on roped routes is much more appropriate for performing for the vast majority of the climbing population. There are some exceptions to this, and I think some people are really good about being intentional over their pacing and paying attention to it and being adaptive and knowing that that changes through the different mediums they train. But on the flip side, I probably see nine out of 10 climbers get this completely wrong and I remember I did a YouTube video all about this topic and talking about pacing. I feel like it's one of those things that maybe I should talk about more, but it's a massive, massive effect. Even from, let's take it back to when I used to do a lot of testing with people on a lattice board and you'd have people who would have a certain ability of power endurance or strength. And if they moved at a slow pace, before they got pumped and fell off, 
then they would achieve, say, 45 moves on a lattice board at whatever angle. And that might equate to, let's say, 7B+. But if they moved a little faster, then they might achieve 65 moves. And that might equate to two grades harder. And so it's exactly the same climber, but they just move at a different pace, but they get a completely different grade output. So I think you shouldn't ever underestimate this aspect and getting better at moving at an appropriate pace and a faster pace is a really good one for root climbers. And that is also coupled with, even if you're a climber right now who can't address their pace and get much faster in the short term, it's a mistake to train fast and have that intermittent recovery every time your hand comes off a hold as being really, really short versus when you actually go and go on the route, you're spending a lot, lot longer on those holds. There's a different, it's like a different physiological slice of the pie as such. It's, it's just a different thing. And so you're going to feel very differently under those two scenarios if you only trained under one scenario. So bear that in mind. I think route climbing on ropes is a lot more skillful. There's a lot more um, elements of technical skill, psychological skills, everything that goes into this type of training and climbing. And long term, this is going to build better climbers rather than just training and climbing on circuit boards. Also, that fall and height aspects is a really big improvement or big advantage for your route climbers or or route training and this comes with even the ability to be able to go inside and climb on routes for say two weeks for two or three times a week before you go out on a trip to Spain and just going and getting some exposure go and do some falls go and push it and try hard above the bolt above the clips and see how that feels. That exposure to that particular environment is really important to performance. Another big advantage for roots is the variety that you also get. You get a variety in holds, you get a variety in angle and terrain, and also, if you're going to go outside, you get a variety in rock types as well. And that's a really good thing for building better climbers overall. Lastly, I have on this list is that Climbing on a rope is so much better overall for increasing your ability to on-site and flash at a hard grade just because of all the different elements that go into that equation of what makes good on-site climbers, what makes good flash climbers. And I think for the vast majority of time, unless we're talking very specifically about the top-end professional climbers who've already refined most of those skills... 95% of the rest of the population is best off working more heavily on roots if they want to increase this skill. So as you might have just heard, I've produced quite a long list of advantages for ropes and climbing on roots in this manner um, and the advantages which is going to kind of play into my conclusions about when to choose circuits and then when to choose roots. Disadvantages for roots, of course, and there are some, is you need a B-layer. I mean, apart from when it talk about maybe mini-tractioning, top-roping on your own or doing an auto B-layer, um, it's, it's definitely, yeah, a, 
lower convenience and requires other people. You require the patience of someone else hanging around to belay you. But, you know, you get the social aspect out of it by going and doing stuff with someone else, which is also really beneficial. It's much harder as well to break down the roots into sections and work them and take them into individual boulder problems. I will say that that's a a reasonable disadvantage to roots and and training on roots. It's not that it doesn't have its own advantages in the sense that you learn how to push hard on very hard sections above a bolt and in that root climbing setting, because that is an advantage. But on the downside, it's definitely more impractical, especially on steep routes. It's hard to get into the sections, use a load of energy just getting two-thirds of the way up the route to try the hard section. And that has an impact in terms of the choices of when you do more route climbing or roped climbing versus circuit boards. I also think that routes tend to get set or changed a lot more frequently down the climbing walls that you go to. It's, it's a commercial gym. They need to keep stuff fresh. And it means that you often won't have replicable or benchmarks that you can keep coming back to time and time again indoors anyway of course you do have that outside and I think most of us who are into route climbing have these benchmark routes that we'll go to every season and go right can I still get up that thing if I can yeah I'm kind of in okay shape here or oh wow I could do double reps on that yeah I'm, I'm definitely in really good position here already in the year or I've got stronger and that's a really nice tool to have but certainly indoors I think there's a a little bit of a disadvantage in terms of that repeatability factor which comes down with roots. So let's think about when we would choose to do circuits and then when we would choose to do roots or rather when we would have more focus on one over the other perhaps. Now when it comes to the circuit board part of the equation I think overall and I had a had a careful think about this because I felt like I've sort of been somewhat negative about circuit boards over route climbing and the list was definitely longer on one side for pros versus cons but the bit that I want you to really take away from the circuit board side of things is I think the biggest advantage is convenience for time and partners that's the scenario where I would say you're best off trying to find yourself a circuit board or build yourself a circuit board or get access to that tool because if you don't have a lot of time and you don't have easy access to partners you can spend so much time energy resource going and chasing those things that then you lose effort and motivation from actually just getting the training and the climbing done. And that can be demotivating. And I think there's something to be said for if life practicalities aren't lining up, don't hit your head against the wall and constantly go after those things if they're just not possible. So if time is short and partners are short, circuit boards all the way, I think it's a really good choice for most of those climbers out there. You just have to accept some of those downsides. The second big scenario under which I think it's very wise to use more circuit boards for training is when you want to work or break into sections hard routes whether that's ANCAP training or you're just from a motivational point of view trying to see if you can tick your first ever 8A circuit or 7A circuit 
These are so much easier to work in sections, create repeatable parts. You can have them as boulder problems on their own, which can then become max boulder sessions. They can become boulder triples. They can become ANCAP sessions. They become aerobic power training where you're linking things together with ever decreasing rest between them. There's so many opportunities and items that you can address here in terms of training when it comes to a circuit board because of that convenience factor to be able to work and break into sections. And that's, yeah, that's a, that's a big advantage, I'd say, on circuit boards as well. And for me, those two things are the number one items. So what I would like you to hear now is that if those two things haven't immediately popped up in your mind and gone, oh yeah, no, no, that is my scenario right now and why I'm choosing to train on a circuit board and to what Tom said there makes sense. It lines up with my choices and what I have going on at the moment, then that's all good. But if they're not, I think I'm going to say, what are you doing? Why are you not getting on a rope more? Why are you not, whether it's indoors or outdoors, because I think there's potential under this scenario that you could be missing a major part of the equation and just kind of shooting yourself in the foot. You've done a load of training, you've got strong, you've done all your preparation for climbing dream routes, climbing your goal this year, and you're just making it harder for yourself. So think about those routes, think about those ropes, which I'll talk about in a second. I did write one third on the list for when to choose circuits, but I've left it to the end of the list. I don't think it's maybe the most important one or the most justifiable one, but I think it is still cool and useful. And that's just that repeatability benchmark uh, aspect of circuit boards. You can come back to them. You can use them at the beginning of the season, middle of the season, end of the season, just to see where you're at. And um, you can also do more repetitions on them as well if you're trying to do sets and reps on something. And it's just a lot easier. But I do think that sits fairly far down on the sort of choice list of why you would emphasize more circuit board training over roped climbing. Okay, so roots, ropes. We all love them. We're root climbers after all, whether you're a trad climber or a sport climber. And it's definitely where you should be putting a good emphasis of your time for the vast majority of you climbers out there. And when I say you climbers, I'm going to say that I'm talking about everyone who is all the way from a relatively beginner climber who's now leading to a really seasoned, keen amateur climber who's maybe trying to climb their first 513, climb your first 8A or 7A or 7B plus all the way in that mid zone. Maybe doesn't apply so much to the professional climbers because I think certain parts of the disadvantages that I've listed with circuit boards in particular have already been addressed by 10, 20 years worth of training and performance and preparation. But certainly 90 plus percent of the population would want to choose route climbing a lot of the time, I think, even if it is slightly less convenient. So the big 
pro for when to go for roots is when you are trying to deal with a specificity element of performance. So your performance goal here is a roped route, whether it's trad or sport. And the part of year where you're approaching your goal, whether that's a trip or it's a really good part of the season where the crags are in the best condition, temperatures are right, it's in the shade, it's not damp, it's not seeping. And you need to get that specificity part of the equation really, really well fine-tuned. And you're not going to really get that on a circuit board. By far the best place to do that is on a rope, on routes. And of course, just like circuit boards, you have a whole range of different intensities and volumes and frequencies available to you. You just have to be creative with that. The other part of it as well, um, where I would say it's useful to use more route climbing on a rope is if you're the type of climber where your specificity in training, so if you've always been training on, say, a foot-on campus board, which is nothing like route climbing, or if you've only been training on a circuit board for the last 10 years because you just didn't have other options, I would say that type of climber should really overemphasize building up that bank of experience and skill set and pacing and specificity on a rope. Um, and this is kind of like that scenario where you've got someone who is ridiculously strong for the grade. And I'll say to that climber, look, you've got to put in five to 10 years maybe worth of effort on the endurance side. It's not going to be easy. And you've got a very, very low baseline, but you've got to get that time in on that particular task so that you can get back into a stronger position. And it's the same for those climbers who've had a very low level of specificity in their training for years and years, for whatever reason that might be. I also think it's great to choose your route climbing as a focus on a rope in the year when you're needing to deal with heights, falling, exposure, going for it above the bolt and everything associated with that. For sure, a good call and you'll see very good results from that. Another reason is the pacing, as I reflected on when I talked about the pros and cons with routes. I think if you are heading on a climbing trip anytime soon, you want to get time in your training and preparation for that trip, knowing how your body responds to a difference in pace, but also refining that pace that is actually suitable for your goal. I definitely find this when I move from indoors that I've gone from moving quite fast to now when I go outside, I'm a little bit bamboozled by the slowest speed that I'm using outside because it takes more time to find the footholds, it's harder to read the rock, I'm maybe a little bit less confident and my body goes, huh, okay, uh, not psyched on this pace you've got here, Tom. You're holding onto the holds a lot longer. I'm feeling more pumped and um, the, holds are the holds are feeling not as good as they did before because now you're asking me to hang around for 10 seconds on a hold, whereas indoors you were maybe spending two or three seconds on the hold. And so there's both a confidence aspect and execution, but also a physiological change that you'll see by changing that time under tension slightly and that kind of intermittent rest that you'll get from that relaxation and contraction on a hold and that has a degree of specificity associated with it as well. And then lastly, the time to chose your or choose your roped routes is when 
you need to increase your on-site and flash grade, and that's your goal. If you're that climber who has red-pointed, say, 513, 13A, or what's that, 7C plus in uh, European grades, but your on-site is 7A maybe, or 7A plus, that's a pretty big gap. And if you want to bring those two closer together, I would suggest that time spent on a rope, on routes, and in particular, working more on-site routes and working more flash routes so you increase that skill set is really important. You're just not going to get that much out of it from working on a circuit board and spending even more time increasing your rep amounts from six times that 7B plus to now being able to do it eight times in a session. Yeah, that's some improvement, but it's nowhere near as low a hanging fruit as going outside and now going and having five to 10 sessions at a crag with appropriate grades, trying some on-sites and flashes. You will see so much more improvement by doing that and complementing that with the basic training that you're doing at the gym. But don't spend all of your time doing that stuff at the gym. I think it's it's just an inefficient use of time if you're really interested in achieving your goals or moving forward as a more skillful and experienced climber. I hope you've enjoyed that breakdown of circuit boards versus routes. I know I like thinking about how to stagger these and how to balance them and how to choose them for the right situation. I've always enjoyed doing this with friends and clients and athletes over the years because it's not always the easiest thing to make a decision on but definitely there's a number of clear factors which go into each one and don't forget it's about a balance of either one i don't necessarily think it's good to 100 percent circuit board training and zero on a rope and likewise the other way around for the entire year it's about finding and choosing the right balance for you your goals and your situation I hope you have a good season wherever you are, whether you're training at the moment and preparing for routes or whether you're actually in the good conditions here in the UK at the moment. It's starting to get pretty good. A lot of the crags have dried out and we're kind of entering into limestone season. No doubt we'll be moaning about it being too hot soon enough. Um, and lots of me and my friends are also headed out on some European trips as well to try and see what we can get done. All these things, obviously, we deal with at Lattice when it comes to the training plans and our coaches can put all of this together. So if you still get to the end of these podcasts and think, OK, that was great, Tom. Thanks for explaining all that. But honestly, I don't quite know how to put this together. You know, we can take that um, fuss and faff and plan it all out for you. Um, but all details are available on the website. If you ever have any questions about the training that we do, and how we kind of complete this kind of stuff um, to support you and your goals, just drop us a message at contact at lattice or send us a DM on our Instagram. We're pretty active on there and we're always happy to answer questions. Have a good day wherever you are.